Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, before we get to David Hellman, there is breaking local news that is massive national news as well. Uh, Amber Geiger has been found guilty of murder. And they will do the sentencing phase this afternoon. Uh, She faces 5 to 99 years. This is obviously a huge, huge story. Uh, So she is guilty of murder. They didn't, it's not manslaughter, it is murder. And so if you would like to get more of that coverage, of course, we encourage you to check out our sister station, 1080 KRLD. They are all over this. Sentencing does begin this afternoon. And uh, we are looking, the jury, according to Amanda Guerra of KRLD 1080, the jury is doing the sentencing. She's facing anywhere from 5 to 99, like I said. Penalty phase begins 1 p.m. this afternoon. Uh, Obviously, this has been the most, the biggest thing in the local news cycle. Obviously, national news, the way a lot of these cases tend to go. Um, But this is, uh, this is really, really big news. And I don't know about you guys. I'm a little surprised. I thought it would be manslaughter, but that's just not the way that the jury saw it. They began deliberating yesterday, and so the news just came down. She is guilty of murder. Man, it's it's a crazy case. I, I you know we've we've kind of talked about this a lot off the air. Just how can anybody get killed while they're in their own apartment and there not be someone found guilty? They're unarmed on you know, their couch. They're unarmed on their couch. How is it possible under any circumstances? For them not to be found guilty. And let me just say, you know, there's a lot of information that comes out and a lot of it's inaccurate. Like there was all this stuff early on and on, you know, reasonably credible news sources saying, oh, she knew him. And they had a pre, no, they did not. At the beginning of the. At the beginning. But what I'm saying is, is this is the way we get our information now and people take stuff and run with it. And so there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I've gone back and forth based on information I've heard. But after I heard the 911 call, that had an incredible impact on me. I didn't think that she ever knew this person or had any intention of killing this person when she walked up to that apartment door. But when listening to the 911 call, it was very evident, at least in my opinion, that she went into self-preservation mode as opposed to trying to save this person's life. I thought it was interesting that they put her on the stand on Friday. I didn't know if that was a good idea for the defense to do, and they did. And maybe they were trying to uh, find a way to maybe get some of the jurors to sympathize with her a little bit. But and the span, I watched some of that because I was off on Friday. I actually watched some of that daytime court TV stuff. Mm-hmm. And in a span of like three or four minutes, she said a couple things that I was like, man, she's, her story's kind of running together here. She said, um, I, uh, what am I thinking now? They asked her, and she said, I, I shot an innocent man is what I'm thinking. And then minutes later, she says, well, I thought he was going to kill me. And I'm like, well, you just said you shot an innocent man. Well, but, you know, I mean, she just had so many other options yeah. than the options she chose. But this is where it got weird because you have the Castle Doctrine uh, rule coming into effect. But it's weird because she it's had— not her place. It's not her place. Right. But she's saying that she thought it was her place. And right. He could have killed these- her and been fine because she was in his place. Because <laughs> of the Castle Doctrine. Because yeah. of the Castle but, Doctrine, but she was right? Kind of, it was kind of reversing that because she was you know, arguing that she mistook— that apartment for her place. Okay, so, but, 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 mm-hmm. uh, 
like there was thoughts that there could be rioting in our city today or whenever the decision came down. I was concerned about that for sure Uh, because, you know, uh, there's a group of people that are tired of things like these happening and then no one's ever held accountable. And so it's like after a while, you're just like, what do I got to do? What do I got to do to be heard? So this is uh, this is pretty amazing stuff. We're going to get back into Dallas Cowboys football. Uh, we are there's possible that maybe at 1120 we'll give you some of the information okay. because you're now understanding why news is coming out as to why it was murder and not manslaughter and some of these things. So maybe we can clear some of that up for you at 1120. But let's talk some Dallas Cowboys football. Joining us now on the buyersafety.com hotline is our homeboy, David Hellman. We talk to him every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 o'clock. And uh, David, that was... I was looking at some of your tweets from Sunday night. I don't think any of us expect, you know, a lot of people thought maybe the Cowboys could lose this game, but I think the way that the game went down was really confusing and surprising to a lot of people. And one of the things I know surprised you is Tony Pollard, after having an incredible week three, was not a part of this game plan at all on Sunday night. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I mean, anybody should have been prepared for the possibility that they lose that game. But yeah, when you score 10 points in the NFL, especially when you're averaging 32. Uh, just kind of baffling. And yeah, uh, you know, Jason Garrett talked yesterday and you've heard it a few times. I think, you know, Jerry Jones brought it up this morning on y'all station too, is, you know, you had nine possessions, three or two of them end in turnovers and yada, yada. It's still, it, it seemed weird that, um, they couldn't find more ways to be versatile. Like I understand that, you know, the saints obviously were trying to shrink the game and, and have it go by quick, but uh, to see Tony Pollard get two snaps, to see as many first and second down runs. Um, and, you know, people are talking on, on Twitter and social media about, you know, checking out of passes because of the way the Saints were playing. I get it, but uh, you just didn't see a lot of versatility out of an offense that looked so versatile through the first three weeks, and it was kind of weird. All right, you're a rational guy. We love having you on the show. You're an intelligent guy. We like your takes. And you you pretty much uh, sift through all the drama and emotion in times like these. So there are people uh, with conspiracy theories that, wait a second, Kellen Moore got boxed out of the game plan here. This really looks like Linehan. Did he turn into Kellenahan Moore? Did Garrett get his hands on this thing? What the hell's going on? So if you had to pull out a blame thrower, which you don't tend to do, uh, because you're more rational than idiots like us. So who, where does the blame lie in this? How did this go so poorly and who is should we hold accountable i mean that's like the essence of hot take culture though isn't yeah, it is yeah. like somebody has to take the blame and like and again it's it's not trying to cop out but like you can pass it around to a little bit of everybody i think the offensive line got their butt whipped i think it's probably fair to assume dak checked out of a few calls dak missed a few throws two guys fumbled who don't typically fumble um i i completely believe the Game plan was a little more conservative than we're used to seeing. But, I mean, and listen, Jason Garrett drives me crazy. I'll tell anybody who (laughs) wants to listen that. Uh, But at the same time, it's a little ridiculous to me that Kellen Moore is the greatest thing since sliced bread for three weeks, and then the minute the offense throws up a stinker, it's Jason Garrett's fault and Scott Linehan snuck back in the building. I mean, it kind of goes with the dinner that the offensive coordinator's got to take some of that criticism too. And, again, Jerry talked about that this morning. It's arguably – the hottest seat in the NFL because when the plays aren't working, people tend to go after the OC more than they go after the head coach. So um, I genuinely like I just listed off like 18 things. There's about a million reasons why they didn't look good. Uh, and, and the game plan, I think, was definitely part of that. But, you know, 
it's it's not because Kellen Moore just decided to do a Scott Linehan impression for one night. Are you concerned at all that the offensive line was not able to run, you know, kind of at will like they have most of the time? I mean, is that kind of the big takeaway from that game is that the offensive line didn't have a very good performance? Well, I mean, first of all, they didn't like you can, you know, that it's, you know, by Tuesday morning, it's kind of already starting to trickle out. You can go find the breakdowns where, yeah. you know, Travis Frederick's getting knocked over and, and Connor Williams didn't have his best game. And honestly, you know, that's where you, you fall into a trap by just looking at stats because the Saints were 26th against the run heading into that game. But they have good players on that front. Demario Davis is a hell of a will linebacker. And you go look at the previous games like Seattle sucked running right into the teeth of their defense too they got most of their yards off quarterback runs and read option that's what Houston did too which that's my thing is you know maybe you shouldn't be stubbornly just trying to run people over uh you know it'd be great if you could and sometimes you can but it wasn't working didn't see Dak carrying the ball a whole lot didn't see Tony Pollard Tavon Austin got one carry uh that you know was a block away from going for pretty big yardage and that that's kind of my point is you didn't see that versatility and and maybe it wouldn't have worked maybe it was just you know maybe it's just one of those nights where nothing's going to work but they just seemed like they were determined to run through the a gaps and it didn't work and they didn't seem like they had a backup plan for it yeah i think that's the the thing that's frustrating is this idea that well we know this is the way that's going to win going into the game i mean i keep going back to the super bowl where neither one of those teams are doing anything offensively, so New England's like, hey, let's just do a bunch of stuff we haven't even practiced for after two weeks. And and that you have to have that willingness to adapt to a game situation. And we had Travis Frederick on on Monday, and he used the word, well, we never got in any kind of rhythm, which is pretty evident, right? Two first-half fumbles. You know, the other thing about this, I don't know if you've th- thought about this or talked about this much, Dave, but this this is a team that really, in all four of their games, it's not like they got off to some great start offensively. Like, they've had a little bit of trouble when they do get into rhythm. They have four consecutive scoring drives. And in this game, by the time they started to feel rhythm, they had back-to-back fumbles. But is that sort of a concern for you at all, that through a month of the season, it's a team that's not exactly firing on all cylinders when it comes out offensively? Yeah, um, and, you know, that's that goes all the way back to Dak's rookie year is, like, you know, people blame the slow start for why they lost to the Packers in the playoffs. And it's definitely – it's been a trend – uh, I'm I'm not ready to say it worries me because I mean, it's you're still talking about a 60 minute game and that's that's kind of my point you know when you know the line coming out of the uh, out of the building right now is like well you know you only have nine possessions and it's you know the, you know have you have this many minutes of of possession uh, there's still ways you can try to jumpstart those things so you know I I don't necessarily think I buy it I, I guess it is something to watch as the season goes along but I mean you're not gonna you're not gonna be clicking from the get very often in the NFL I don't think like it's awesome when it happens but I don't think you can bank on it as some kind of success strategy what do you think is this team's biggest area of need or biggest weakness through a quarter of the season oh man um that's a really good question um I mean it's it's hard to it's hard to be dejected about what the defense looks like and I you know it gets lost cuz they lost the game. I mean, you know, the Cowboys lost the game, but the defense played a hell of an, a hell of a game and I I know Teddy Bridgewater's not Drew Brees, but you still got to give a team credit for holding somebody without a touchdown in the NFL. So I guess right now through 2 weeks um I'm not sold on this receiver core without Michael Gallup. Um, and, and that, that sucks to say, cause I think Randall Cobb's a, a good player, you know, Devin Smith has shown flashes, obviously Amari Cooper, 
it it sounds sucky to say that like it all goes to hell without Michael Gallup. I don't know that that's true, but they just looked so much dynamic when they had so much more dynamic when they had him and Cooper going at the same time. I think that's a big part of of that game is Marshawn Lattimore did a fantastic job on Amari Cooper. And and I'm sure there were openings for for Dak. You know, I think he left some plays on the field. Obviously, the touchdown to Randall Cobb in the beginning of the game. But I think you know having Michael Gallup, who can reliably beat different coverages, might have made a difference. I think they missed him against Miami too, for that matter. It's just that they had such a big talent discrepancy that it didn't matter. Yeah, no. I also, Devin Smith kind of got locked down a little bit as yeah. well. Um, so Kavon, I know is uh, you know not a Pro Bowl or anything, but he's an important special teams player. Looks like he's torn his pec and is probably out for the year. I don't know if that's official that he's out for the year, but yeah, he's torn no, his pec. I mean, Garrett Garrett said yesterday that he's supposed to be done for the year, which, you know, if Jason Garrett's willing to give a timetable, yeah. then it's probably a done deal. So do you think they'll bring in another safety? I know they brought in a couple guys a couple weeks ago when Xavier got hurt. Josh Jones of the Packers was one of them. Uh, do you think they'll bring in a safety this week? That's a, a, it's something to watch. Garrett Garrett said that he's like, we're going to look at who we have in house. We're going to look at who we, you know, who's available on the street and and see what we do. <laughs> I'm curious because yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you have Donovan Wilson. He had a great preseason, and I would, I mean, he he will get involved now. I would assume he'll be active going forward. But again, you know, you're asking completely different things as opposed to defense and special teams. That's you know, I've heard people on social media have tweeted me about Eric Berry. I, that doesn't make sense because you're you're looking for a special teams player, and you know Eric Berry's not going to sign here to do something like that. Um, so I w- I would get you know CJ Goodwin's still still around. You got Darian Thompson who can probably fill some of that. Um, you know if they were going to sign a guy off the street, I feel like he'd be here working out today. So I, I want them to sign Josh Jones because he's still free and he played for the Packers, so he could give them intel. Oh, oh. there you go. Yeah, yeah. The the classic uh, guy who couldn't make the team who's going to give away the game plan. Yes, yeah, I actually I I really like Josh Jones coming out of the draft. I think we both did. So I you know, I mean I wouldn't hate that. I don't know you know I don't know if he fits what they would need because again like with Kayvon, you're talking about a punt flyer. And a special teams guy more so than a safety. He's a strong so. though, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's totally possible. We'll see what they do, but if not, then you're probably looking at Darian Thompson, Donovan Wilson, and C.J. Goodwin. All right, all right. Thank you, Hellman, and thank you, Ford, the best in Texas. We'll talk to you Thursday, man. Appreciate it, y'all. Thanks. Love there he Darren. goes, David Hellman. All right, here's what we're gonna do, guys. Coming up next, we are gonna go around the sports. Uh, there's several stories to hit, but before we do that, our friend Amanda Guerra from KRLD AM 1080, oh, yeah. oh, good. she's going to come uh, come up to this floor and give us about five minutes of intel so we can fully understand what happened uh, down in the courthouse today. If you haven't heard, uh, it's a big, huge national story. Amber Geiger is found guilty of murder. Why did they do that? Amanda will give us the intel next right here on 105.3 The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. Thank you, Shippy. Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Here in a couple minutes, we're going to get into a story of an experience at a sporting event that should maybe have everybody a little bit fearful if you plan on going to the game, plus some Mahomes audio you're really going to dig. But joining us now for a few moments from our sister station, 
KRLD 1080 AM. We have the mighty Amanda Guerra. Hi. Hello, Amanda. Good afternoon. We uh, The news came down about uh, Amber Geiger being found guilty of murder, and we're in here doing a sports talk show, so we needed <laughs> someone that was following this more closely to tell us exactly what happened and why. So for starters, I think, you know, I've kind of just been felt my wife is way into this, so mm-hmm. she's been giving me some details, but... I kind of had this feeling that it was going to be a manslaughter case, but why did that tide turn and now it's a murder case? Yeah, so a lot of people, because they did give the jury the decision because she was charged with murder, but then the jury had the choice. They said you can charge her with murder or you can do a lesser charge, which would be manslaughter or something like that. And so manslaughter is where if you recklessly kill somebody and you didn't mean to and it was an accident— and murder is, this should have been prevented, this person didn't need to die, and a lot of it comes down to intent. Did you intend to kill this person? And so I think that's really kind of what the jury was faced with. So you had, you know, her her defense team asking the jury to put yourselves in Amber Geiger's shoes. You went to the wrong floor, you made a mistake, you were scared, you did what you thought you needed to do. But then on the other side, you had prosecutors saying, well, put yourself in both of John's case. You're in your own apartment, you did nothing wrong, and he's not with us anymore. And so I think that is what it ultimately came down to with the jury. And and she testified. She took the stand and they said, did you intend to kill him? And she said, yes, I intended to kill him. And so kind of right there, she laid it out with intent, which goes with your murder prosecution. Golly, man, what a crazy case. Uh, I don't ever remember a case like this happening before where somebody just walks into someone else's apartment and kills them. Immediately, there was misinformation out there. I believe it was misinformation that they knew each other. There was no history between the two of any kind, right? No, there wasn't. And, you know, then that's the hard thing. And that's kind of what I try to, you know, really tell people when these things happen, especially now with social media. Rumors can get spread very, very quickly. And that's immediately popped up. Was it a race thing? Did they know each other? Did she have a grudge against this guy? Um, and from everything that happened, they didn't know each other. And it does. It looks like it was a, a poor mistake. And they had several people testify saying who lived in that apartment complex who said, I've gone into the wrong apartment before. Other people who've made the exact same mistake. I know from personally, when I lived in an apartment complex in downtown Dallas, I, you know, lived on the ninth floor and I accidentally went on to an apartment on the third. It's really easy to do that. Um, But the thing where I think the jury saw was, okay, but, you know, did you look at all the warning signs, you know, the, the red mat that was in front of the door and then you got there and you know, when you heard somebody in there, why didn't you just walk away? Why didn't you, you know, call fellow officers then? Why didn't you help administer CPR? Those sorts of things. Okay, so, and uh, and again, this is neither here nor there because what happened happened. And, and uh, But uh, that said, how is it that at an apartment complex, people said that they've made the same mistake and walked in other people's apartment? You can just walk in? Because I always thought the door automatically locks. So apparently in this apartment complex, I don't believe the doors automatically locked. They did have a guy testify who did not know Amber Geiger. He did not know both of them, John. Um, and he said he got as far. He lived in a two-bedroom apartment, and he had a roommate. And he said he walked. He asked, Apparently, parking's very confusing. You can't really tell what floor you're on. And then if your floor's filled, they'd go to the next floor. Um, and he said he did the exact same thing. He said he you know, went into the wrong floor. He was like one or two floors off opened the door, went into this apartment, thought it was his own, saw a purse on the island and just assumed his roommate had a friend over and went all the way into the living room where he saw a girl sitting on the couch and said she stared at him and he just kind of stared at her and he's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong apartment. 
Um, so this is just, I mean, it seems to be a common problem at this particular apartment complex. And other people, like I said, they've experienced the same things. You know, if you're in, in a, what is it, a grocery store parking lot and you walk up to the wrong car, you know, and you're like, oh, gosh, mm. sorry, this isn't my car. Like, why is it my key fob working? Or I can't get the door handle open. So that seems to be people could understand how that could have happened. Apparently, the jury just didn't feel it needed to go to this extent. Right. For it to lead to murder is a totally different thing. Exactly. Saturday, I, I walked up to the wrong car and started to open the car door. And part of it is because we all walk around with our heads down into our phones sure. all mm -hmm. the time. But Very you're not going to shoot someone in your car for eating ice cream. No, exactly. You and know, and like I think and I think the other aspect is what else could she have used on her utility belt that she still had on? And mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that go into it. And, you know, if you're just kind of half paying attention to this. I would recommend everybody at least listen to that 911 call. I know that had an incredible impact on me as to how I felt about all this because you're hearing everything. You hear right? exactly what happened. Yes. You're hearing exactly what happened. And then you know that, well, then she made these text messages during all this. None of us can answer what we would do in a situation where we accidentally killed somebody, right? N nobody right. knows what that's. There's very few you, people that you enter even remotely in your world that know what that's like but then it's like what happens after and some of those things and quite frankly she didn't do the right thing and, and i'll just say this you know just you know being open and honest and transparent uh, you know we've known her dad forever i've known him for a very long time he's a great guy and mm -hmm. that changed how i felt about things i mean it's just a terror there is a friend of ours just texted in there's zero winners there's just tragedy right it's horrible it's very very sad on yes. all sides do you guys feel like this was a city at the boiling point like do you feel like had this gone the other way that it might have led to rioting or things like that okay so that's a really interesting question um because the president of the dallas police association because dallas police are short-staffed right now and the state fair is going on he asked the judge he said can you please delay this trial until after the fair, because we don't know if we're going to have, we're worried about people either rioting or safety concerns at the courthouse, just around the city in general. And she said she decided not to. And so they went ahead with the trial. Uh, but Dallas police are trying to, you know, they've, they've put the word out there, you know, please behave. Don't go one way or another. Um, so hopefully people, you know, who are listening to this, you know, keep your cool, talk to your friends, have intelligent conversations about it do that as opposed to maybe getting angry one way or another. I could have seen them moving this trial elsewhere because of the nature. And of they asked. They asked to move it out of Dallas County, and the judge decided to keep it here. This has been a horrible year for the I'm Dallas Police Department. I mean, it is just homicides at an all-time high. They're understaffed. There's chaos in the police department. It's a bad time. It is a really, really bad time. So, you know, maybe the jury thought about that, too. Who knows? Yeah. Um, we're not really sure. Normally, the jury is just told to look at exactly the case. And I mean, if you sit, I would highly recommend, you know, go sit in a courtroom at some point, see what goes on and the details and what these jurors are asked to do. It's incredibly just eye opening what they have to go through and what's the put on their shoulders. We're getting a lot of text messages here, a lot of people weighing in, but one that I wanted to read for you, it says, can you guys stop Amanda from moving to Florida? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty hard. <laughs> that would be pretty well, hard. We're we're, out uh, the door. Pony we're, up, intercom. We are. Uh, <laughs> pony up. We're so proud of you. An amazing thank opportunity you. for you, and you're going to go do great work. We've been honored to be your teammates here, and we think you're exceptional. You know that. So oh, I love you guys. We want to wish you the absolute best, and uh, you know that we're still going to come to you for content. So yeah. like, if, and we're, we're kind gonna... of in the same family. Okay. You know, it's CBS related. All right. Oh, cool. We'll all be on the same team sports wise, so it'll be good. There you go. Yeah. Right on. There she goes, our friend Amanda Guerra.
Thank you for texting in on the Autoflex Leasing Fan Text, 877-881-1053. Let's go around the sport, shall we? There's several different places that we could go, guys. Are you most interested? I think, why don't we set the tone with the Pat Mahomes audio that is surfacing here, Benjamin? Yeah, this is pretty interesting. This just popped out, uh, or just popped up on my timeline, uh, and this has to do with, uh, you know, clutch, clutch touchdown that happened over the weekend for the Chiefs, and uh, basically, uh, Kansas City uh, is in a situation where uh, his squad needed to, Mahomes needed to take his team 79 yards down the field. And if they could do that, then the Chiefs would seal the game with a touchdown under 30 seconds to go uh, against the Lions. So surprisingly, the Lions were winning 30 to 27. And, you know, this came down to, again, inside the final 30 minutes. Now, were you guys watching this? Yes. The, the Lions-Chiefs game? Yeah. Is that, uh, yes, I was. Okay, so going into that last drive, what do you think? It was 30-27, and I was thinking the Lions don't have a chance because they have Pat Mahomes, and the game looks so slow. I mean, the game looks just so slow to him. So I was thinking they were about to go win the game. Okay. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs released us. They had cameras on the sideline. This is pretty incredible. Before they went 79 yards for the winning touchdown, this is Mahomes on the sideline talking to his teammates. We do not have to do anything else other than being ourselves. I truly believe that. If we just be ourselves and trust in each other, we will go down there and we can put points on. We can do what we do. Don't try to go out here and do everything for yourself. Believe in your teammate. You know what I mean? Believe in each other. And when we'll get these opportunities, we'll go down. We'll find a way to win the game. Let's do it right here. Who you are is good enough, baby. Who you are is good enough. Oh, three. One, two, three. Oh, show. So that is on the sideline before they go out for the final yes, drive? Yes, yeah. that is right before the final drive. And, man, if you watch just his body language, the way he's delivering the message, it's incredible leadership. And what's crazy is I can remember different quarterbacks that have you know we've interviewed when they come out of college. Like, we talk about questionable peen strength. Questionable oh. peen strength? Paxton Lynch? Paxton <laughs> Lynch. I was like, man, no way. This guy, we all thought, this guy's a clown. He's not going to be able to lead people. The and mustache the wor- spoke for itself. In the words of the great Bob Knight, he couldn't lead a hooker to bed. There you go. Now, there was two quarterbacks that I had wrong hmm. both ways. Well, there was two quarterbacks. We had Pat Mahomes on, and then we had another quarterback on. Do you remember... Uh, we I'm had Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And I remember, was it Deshaun who was carried himself in a great way leadership-wise? Yes. And then, okay, okay, that's yes. it. So Deshaun, we interviewed, I think we interviewed him the same day at the Super Bowl or around the same time. And I remember thinking in my mind, Deshaun Watson, wow, what a great head on his shoulders. That's a leader of men. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Mahomes, well, he's kind of, I don't know, he's kind of goofy. He kind of had a Derek Holland vibe a little bit. I'm like, I like him a lot, but is he a real leader? He's kind of fun and affable. I, I don't know. That that Super Bowl, it was Deshaun because G-Bag had Mahomes. And we got to, you know, we were walking, kind of interacting with these guys, sort of. But because Mahomes' his hair was crazy long and curly, and he just had this, he's got the, he I mean, still, he looks like a boy. Mm-hmm. He, even very though he's tall, looking. he's yeah. very young in the face. And it, and Deshaun Watson was, it was just very straightforward. It was sit there, right, like, oh, yeah. Deshaun Watson, but, we're kind of, oh, there's questions but, about Mahomes. And Mahomes did have a reputation of being wild ass guy at Texas Tech who's yeah. going to throw it in triple coverage, you know. Paxton well, Lynch looked like a guy that worked at Medieval Times. <laughs> he really uh, did. <laughs> like somebody texts in, Mahomes sounds like he hasn't hit puberty yet. Yeah. <laughs> so He's got a Kermit voice. All that said, <laughs> in my face, I mean, obviously Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league right now. I mean, I, yeah. I think there's other quarterbacks in that conversation or in the mix, but statistically Mahomes is doing it. But I didn't know that he was doing it on a leadership level like that. That's very impressive. Yeah. So they, when Mahomes, people are saying that was one of his worst games because uh, he yeah. didn't he didn't throw for a touchdown. Right. And he also did not throw for any interceptions. He threw for like 315 yards. 
pressured quite a bit the whole day. And I'm going, man, I'm just watching him, especially on that last drive, and no one in the league, and maybe in the history of the league, plays with as much just – the game is so slow for him because, I mean, there was a play where he was scrambling, um, and it was he was probably t- – it would have been a 10-yard loss if he got caught. So he's trying to frantically get away from a uh, defensive end, and he looks back at the referee to see if the referee is going to call holding. It looked like he was seeing if the ref was going to call a flag on something. Oh, so he could. So let he had it time go? as he's running, and he's a big guy. While he's scrambling frantically away, he's turning around his whole body, turning around and looking at the ref, and then finds a way to scramble for like ten yards. And this, the, that whole drive, if you watch it, it's just it's just perfection. Everything he does, he has time. I mean, it, a lot of it does depend on how you're pressured or whatever's going on. But just the the way he goes through his reads, it just looks like everything is moving so slow for him. So I think there's there's two different ways to have these quarterback conversations. And I was listening to the morning show do this earlier today. But I think there's the whole idea of a guy's age and contract and the big picture. And then, then there's the whole idea of, well, what if you're going to have a guy for one season, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the team you need. You just need the right quarterback. How many veteran quarterbacks do you go through before you get to Mahomes? You understand the context of what I'm saying? Yeah. Right, because a lot of times, you know, you would take Dak over Brady, for example, because Brady's 42 years old. You're talking about for one year or for so franchise? about for one year. It's on now. So how many, what I'm saying is how many quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks, do you go through before you get to Mahomes? Well, you said you would take Dak over Brady for one year. I would No, take... not for one year. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm talking about I'm talking about the grand scheme of things. You're going to take the 25 year right. over the for 42. For a franchise as right. opposed to one year. But if it's for one year. Think what I'm saying. If it's for one year, how many badass, old, wily veteran quarterbacks do you take before you get to Mahomes? Zero. So you take Mahomes number one no, I over would. Brady? No, it's I would take Brady. Close. I would take Rodgers. I mean, I would take the wily veteran quarterback because I think experience matters so very much. Healthy and, Breeze? And uh, maybe, uh, may- maybe, but, uh, you know, I just think experience matters immensely. And, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with Mahomes being in the exact right system for him. So that's right? that yeah, that's kind of my point of all this. Is my point of all this is there's one thing to talk about how much you love Mahomes and is he the MVP right now? But if he was going head to head with Brady, don't you think Brady, you know, at, at the AFC because championship? Of Belichick. Right. So but, but you, get, like, you, you get what I'm saying. How I high get, do yeah. you rank Mahomes? Do you rank him on the level already? I, of, I do now. You yeah. do now? You put I'm him re- right there with Brady and Rodgers and all oh, those I'm guys. I'm ready to roll with him forever. Wow. He he might I Look, it's way early, so I'm not being um, okay. Let me be hyper superlative on a Tuesday. Okay, will you? He's going to end up as the best player the NFL's ever seen. That's strong. This doesn't stop. You can't stop him. He's unstoppable. He can run. He can make every throw, and they're, they can just put out. Dude, they they were giving Daryl Williams, who was the backup running back at at LSU with uh, Geis that year, mm-hmm. okay, and was seen as more of like a power back. They were just running him out there. Any running back can die off, and they'll put put another guy in there. Like, and like, in, they've, in part of that system, part of that's the system. But I mean, that's the whole thing. Part of choosing Brady in this conversation would be Brady would have Belichick on his side. Yep. Right. Because like we were talking about, uh, so Brady plays the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins every year. Right. That really helped him. He also has never had to game plan against Bill. Like that would affect his Super Bowl number as well. Oh, I think if he was Belichick against going Bill. against Brady would suck for him too. <laughs> you know, it'd be uh, bad for both of them. Yeah, but I'm so. I'm to the point of Pat's 
the greatest thing we've ever seen now. Okay. I think I think he's definitely in the top three or four for me for one season. I don't know if I have him higher than Brady and Rodgers yet, but I do think, and I think it's actually this year, I Aaron, think we're going to see a substantial drop-off with Brady. I you guys think. are going to see on Sunday, Aaron's missing a lot of throws, guys. Really? Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. He's been oh, in a yeah. lot. Coming up next, I want to get into this audio. We've got some Jerry Jones audio, but I want to get into a story also. This is something every fan should be worried about. All that's coming up next on the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. All right, it's Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Jerry Jones was on with Sean and RJ this morning. We're going to get into some of the best audio from that. But, man, there's a story that we've been pushing off, and we can't push it off any further. And it has to do with those T-shirt cannons. And I always... I watched those t-shirt cannons getting more and more souped up and more powerful as the years go by. I can remember and you know it started off with like slingshots and then it got hey look they got a, like a cannon that they roll around and then it turned into like Mavs man walking around with a bazooka and <laughs> those things get shot out of there and I always think all right this guy is wearing a mask he can't really see out of it very well I would think and he's you know, he's holding this bazooka with like a guitar strap around his neck and he's shooting it out into the stands and it's coming out of there really uh, with a, in a powerful way. I mean, shooting t-shirts up into the upper, upper decks of a stadium. And I thought, man, what happens if he just gets slips and his aims off and he hits that trigger and he fires one into somebody on the front row? Seems like it could be really dangerous. And then all of a sudden, this story pops up in our show prep. Alex Swanson. Is that a game, a Mets game with his three kids? They're in the right center field stands. Okay, mm-hmm. um, basically it's the seventh inning stretch. Here comes the t-shirt cannon runs out there. He runs up to the rail. He's going to try to catch a shirt, maybe give it to his kid, or maybe he'll try to squeeze into it. All they really give is large and XLs. <laughs> so who who knows what they they would do? Um, he says that the person operating the t-shirt cannon was kind of having some problems with the device, so he's kind of kind of reloading it, you know, check, check. <laughs> Suddenly the cannon fired 20 feet away from him and sent a T-shirt right at his face. Oh. He falls backward, hits his head, loses consciousness. He wakes up at the hospital. Whoa. He's had a concussion and a detached retina. Man. Um, in the lawsuit, he claims that his uh, right eye is permanently damaged and his vision in his right eye, obviously. Permanent, uh, permanently damaged. He says, quote, it could have killed me. It's a good quote. So I, uh, this is very interesting because there's a story last year. So any lawsuit, I'm always skeptical of any lawsuit now, mm-hmm. um, but the pictures of his eye are gross. Um, last year at the Astros game, same thing where a lady claimed that she broke her thumb, suffered a thumb injury basically in her, in her right hand because she was trying to catch a T-shirt. It was so close, and I guess it was coming so fast that it put her thumb back or whatever. So she had a lawsuit against the Astros for a thumb injury for a million dollars. Okay, is it over? Did she win? There's still it's still that dollars. That one is actually still uh, there's still negotiating that. All right, so I wonder what happened with the lawsuit with uh, Dak's dog and the restaurateur lady and her hand. Okay, so like if I you're going to lose uh, fingers, that's mm-hmm. definitely millions. But if you just fracture it, I don't know that that's a yeah. million dollars. Was that for sure a lawsuit, by the way? Because I, I don't know why it wouldn't be. Well, I mean, I remember hearing stories that maybe they weren't going to sue or something, but I don't remember all the details on that. Yeah, because it was all, you know, I, I would imagine it's one of those things that got settled 
quietly. Mm-hmm. I would guess. I don't know. Maybe not. What would you want for that? Because we would be hearing about it. If if a dog attacks you, as you a dog knocks over your fence and is killing your dog, and you break it up and the dog takes off one of your fingers, how much do you want for that? To me, if the dog's on my property, then... I want, first of all, I want season tickets to Ohio State's football game. Right. Um, all the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, who did this one? It was the security guard. Like a fell, press conference? Yeah, it was a security guard that fell over Zeke. I want Zeke a hug Reed. from Zeke. Uh, <laughs> so I think for me, because that's that's going to end me playing golf, uh-huh. uh, which is the only thing that I find joy out of anymore. Get a Could hand. help you. Uh, no. Just get a fake hand like Chubbs. Really? Will that help my grip? Yeah. I think I would probably go probably. in for and I got to pay lawyers and taxes. I'd come in strong at 1.75. Okay, I like that number. Um okay, you know what about how crazy it is for athletes how that number changes when you find out it's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Cuz you might be have a number and then you find out that it's oh, it's Mark Cuban's dog or whatever. It's yeah. Jerry Jones's dog. I would but, think that they would not take into account the person you know, it's it's like See, the damage is the damage, regardless of who or who could not pay it. Yeah. Does it matter how much money you already had? Well, I mean, if, if you're live, living if, in the same neighborhood as a starting right. quarterback, the Dallas Cowboys, you're probably doing well. Maybe money's not what you. That's want. what you some want of your, those. That's what some of those rumors were that maybe there wasn't a lawsuit because the people that lived next to him were already doing pretty good. And then he can. But I don't it. remember reading the details. The details it. never. I don't think they're ever came. I mean, out. The, story's, the story's been silent for months. Right. right. But in terms of just a fractured thumb, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I would want to get paid. I think I would want to stop the t-shirt cannons from happening. Mm-hmm. I think I'd feel better if that would happen because you feel like, okay, I may, yeah, I hurt my thumb, but I'd, what I'd really like to do is make sure no kid ever gets hit in the face by one of these. A risk assessment study by the United States Military Academy, and if you guys want to go against what they say, you do that on your own time. Right. They found that T-shirts fired from air cannons can achieve kinetic energies 15 times larger than that of a paintball gun, nine times larger than that of a pellet gun, and nearly half that of a 9 millimeter handgun. Now, that would depend on the specific model of the T-shirt cannon. I don't know if you're using the TI-2000 3.0. If you're using that one, the kinetic energies are going to be through the roof, and this guy is lucky that he still has an eye. But I don't know if he chose if the Mets had upgraded this year to the TI two thousand three point. But wait, did the cannon hit him in the eye or when he fell? I thought the eye injury was because he the fell. Shirt out hit his, him in the face. Okay, so he got it on both sides of his head. Yeah. He got the concussion in the back for hitting the concrete, and then the retina was damaged by the the cannon. Um, by the way, eight seven seven eight eight one one zero five three. The Autoflex leasing Fantex. I don't know if this is true or not. I seem to recall this. Didn't Ned Flanders lose his wife to a t-shirt cannon? Oh, wow. How about that? <laughs> Simpsons predict everything. Yeah, yeah they, they, right, they, they sure do. All right, Jerry Jones was on earlier with Sean and RJ, and it was fantastic. Here's cut number eight. When might Michael Gallup return? Well, I'd, I'm not uh, ruling it out Sunday. And so uh, uh, we'll, we've will we got to see how he does uh, out here tomorrow especially. And uh, just take a look at it. I'd been hearing some of the same things that Gallup may may return this week, and if that's the case, uh, it couldn't come at a better time. His importance yeah. is is skyrocketing right now, and especially with Amari Cooper being compromised, I think him pushing off in those routes is an indicator. I didn't like the calls, granted, but it is an indication 
uh, of him being banged up. And right. I, I think that's going to hamper him throughout the year. And quite frankly, Lattimore was able to take Amari Cooper out of the game and the other Cowboys receivers didn't consistently win against the inferior corners that they had behind Lattimore. That said, the Cowboys need help in, in their receiving core. They desperately need Michael Gallup. I might be interested in sitting Amari Cooper for the Jets game. I know, oh, that's, yeah. I know that's not the way football coaches and players think. But then you have Philly the week after that and then a bye week. Yeah. So if I could create a situation where Amari Cooper only had to play one game in three weeks' time, Football mindsets need to change uh, in terms of, I don't know, they say, well, we only play 16 of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, preservation is huge. Yeah. It's it's huge now. So if there's guys banged up and not good to go, and you feel like your team's good enough to get by. Right. Now, granted, you can lose to anyone. Sure. Like we understand that that Dolphins game could be something different or that Jets game or whatever. I've got no problem with that idea right there. And I, I agree with what Dave was saying and what you guys are kind of saying. Michael Gallup is important to this team. I Devin Smith's fine, but you know that's they need another weapon on the outside. When you have them both going, that that opens up the offense just a little bit. I mean, yeah. the, the, you got the vibe that the Saints' back end, you know, Marshawn Lattimore did his job against Cooper, and it looked like Devin Smith and sometimes it was Tavon out there was kind of taken away by Eli Apple, and the safeties were just kind of hanging out, you know, and they were helping out and shaded towards Cooper a little bit not really having to come up and play the run too much because the run wasn't going. Mm-hmm. You get the idea they weren't having to work hard. Then you get Gallup. That's going to really help things. Uh, Green Bay covers pretty good, um, and they get to the passer pretty good. So they're pretty difficult. Philly ran all up, over them. They'll give up yards, but it's mostly been on the ground because they got a pretty good secondary that's now staying healthy. They do have a cornerback one and Jair Alexander. I mean, Jair Alexander and Marshawn Lattimore, I would put those guys in the same conversation as – you know, good young corners in the league. So, so it's look, very, it's very interesting. If Gallup could come back, that would help so much, though, because it's that's going to be important, if, especially if Cooper's not one hundred percent. Philly ran all over Green Bay last Thursday night. They destroyed him on the ground. And Denver if, did the week before that. If the Cowboys, you know, have the rushing uh, attack that they did against the Saints against Philly, then I mean against Green Bay, then maybe we start worrying a little bit. And I realize Tyron's out this week, but maybe the offensive line is not as perfect as you know we were thinking it is if you have back-to-back weak rushing attacks against a team that didn't stuff the box and then against a team that's really struggled defending the run early in this season so jerry also uh on with sean and rj had an evaluation of robert quinn's recent play he's got what we call gumby which means that you can have some speed and you can bend and bend around and bend around a block a little bit and uh, he does that as well, too. He's just a proven commodity, and it's helping him, not hurting him. It's helping him to have those fresh legs, I believe. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's going to just talk about the preservation, right? Mm-hmm. You're coming in off a long preseason training camp, two games, then week three, four, when you're 29 or 30, however old he is, starts to wear you down a little bit. Right. Fresh legs, man, and he looks – it was very noticeable the last two weeks that he was fresh juice. Fresh juice. All right. Then uh, they asked, Jerry, are you concerned that Tank's contract holdout and minimal offseason have contributed to his slow start? I don't want to address the two in the same conversation because uh, uh, it's not related to anything. And uh, uh, slow start, I guess, slow start stat, uh, I guess that's fair. Uh, These things have a way of... uh, (laughs) <laughs> um, as uh, proverbially said, 
they come in bunches, but I'm not at all concerned about him. He's uh, he's uh, uh, the incremental part to our pass rush, and uh, boy, I'm glad we've got him. And the facts are that to have Robert Quinn over on the other side, to have a coming Armstrong, uh, to have the other guys we've got there, really makes this a position of of strength. And uh, I really do give Rod Marinelli a lot of credit for putting this together. Yep. Look, uh, this defense looked a heck of a lot better against New Orleans, certainly better than uh, any way that they had looked in the previous three games. All right, it's Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we have a special guest joining us in studio. It is the legendary Hall of Fame play-by-play voice of the Texas Rangers. Eric Nadell is going to put a bow on Globe Life, what he saw at that ballpark over all these years. He's got something special coming up, too. All that's next right here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.